Do you know this morning, Lindsay mentioned the Father's smile? The Father's smile. And I'm going to be speaking about smiling this morning. And then we spoke, we sang about wind, the wind of God, the holy wind of God, the ruach, the, the breath of the Holy Spirit. So can I ask, who's ready this morning? Who's hungry for Jesus? Who's hungry for more? Yes, Emmanuel. Do you know, I believe God has something for us this morning, and he wants us to be encouraged and equipped to live strong and to live well. It's not his heart that we would lack and we would walk half full or half victorious. His victory is our victory. And as Aaron said, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, from the grave, lives in us. And I'm convincing myself of that this morning, not that I'm nervous. Do you know, we, we heard from Stuart two weeks ago, we've walked in a word. And then last week, Mel spoke brilliantly about being fully alive. And this week, my title is Show the World. So are we ready now that we've walked in a word and we're fully alive? Are we ready to show the world the Father's heart? I've been reading Revelation recently, and it's not always pleasant reading. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, but I've been reading Revelation 3, and there's three verses repeated in Revelation 3. It's repeated three times in verse 6, verse 6, 13, and 22 in the Living Bible. It says, anyone who is willing to hear should listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And then in the message, it's the same verses, different language, but equally powerful. Are your ears awake? Listen. Do you know, I love saying that. I work in schools sometimes, and when kids are not paying attention, listen, listen. Or to my boys, listen to the wind words, the Spirit blowing through the churches. Are our ears awake this morning, church? It's so easy to hear. I heard you. I heard you after the 10th time. But are we listening? I had to stop when I read this, though. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. It's beautiful language. These words which create life and create movement. And it gives beautiful expression to what the spirit wants to do within the church. And I believe he wants to breathe words through us that will equip us for what God wants to do in this season and the season going forwards. And it made me think, what are the wind words of the Spirit? The words that are blowing through the churches at the moment and in this season. And if I listened um, to the message being preached and what God is saying around the world at the moment, it seems it's a resounding message. There's a Father God in heaven who loves you. He's a plan for your life. He's got good plans, plans to give you a hope and a future. There's a Father in heaven who loves you. And when I think of Jeremiah 29, 11, the, the verse most of us know of, for I know the plans I have for you, eh, declares the Lord. It's a declaration, it's a strong thing, but it's I know. It's not I know and you know, but it's I know. And when I realized that afresh, I had to actually go and say, God, I'm sorry. I often tell you what I'd like, but it's for what the plans I, I know the plans I have for you. So this is the message that I hear coming through the church in this season, and that people desperately need to know and hear and understand that the Father loves them, that he knows them, and he accepts them, even in spite of ourselves. I mean, think about this. Jesus had a purpose. He was a God, of, a man of purpose. He had a purpose in his everyday life, in his moment-by-moment -moment life here on earth. The climax of the story was his death and his resurrection. But his everyday life had purpose. He had meetings with people. 
the things he taught, the people he healed, the interactions and the responses that he had, they all had purpose. And all of his journey was ultimately to show us the Father, to show us the Father's heart. Everything Jesus did was to show us the Father heart of God. The message of his Jesus life on earth was that we have a perfect Father who loves us. Everything Jesus did and everything he said was to show us the Father's heart. And in a moment, I'm going to read John 14, 9 to 14, but some context. Jesus is with his disciples and they keep asking him the same questions, the same question, show us the Father. His response, it was probably one of frustration. He's like, I thought you would have got it by now. They'd seen him live his life, they'd spent time with him, and they'd seen what he'd done and seen the miracles that he carried out. Surely they got it by now. The way he lived and the way he loved showed them and pointed to the Father. But still, Philip says, Philip asked him, where is the Father? And this is Jesus' response, reading from John 14, 8 to um, 14. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Philip, don't you even know who I am? Even after all the time I have been with you. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking to see him? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of what you have seen me do. The truth is, anyone who believes in me will do the, great, the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, because the work of the Son brings glory to the Father. Yes, ask anything in my name, and I will do it. And I have to be honest, I started giggling when I, when I read this out, because all I can hear when I, when I read this, when I hear, Philip! It just reminds me of Queen Elizabeth in the crown speaking to the Duke of Edinburgh. Philip! Anyway, sorry, that's not what Jesus did. He said, Philip, don't you even yet know who I am, even after all the time I have been with you? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So everything we see in Jesus reveals the Father to us. And just before he leaves his disciples for the last time, he effectively said to them, my job, his job, Jesus' job, is now your job. He commissioned them. And John 20, 21 says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And Jesus came to model something to humanity that they'd never understood before of God. They knew God as judge and ruler and creator, but they'd never known God as the Father. Jesus modeled complete mercy and kindness. He chose compassion and he chose empathy. He wept with people. He saw the lonely. He hung around the outcasts of society, the people no one wanted to be around. He fought for the oppressed and the marginalized, and he stood up to the religious leaders. He ate with tax collectors. He ate with everyone. He showed compassion, and he healed sickness. Jesus came to reveal another way, something no one had seen before. It was his job. And guess what? Now it's our job. Let's own this. Say it's our job. Say it with me. It is, thank you. It's our job. We're in this together. Our job is to reveal the Father heart of God to our world. So how do we reveal the Father heart of God to the world? How do we, as ordinary people, 
go about this great mandate and this mission and task of showing the world the Father? How do we represent the Father and bring a true representation to a world who don't always think or believe he's good? Or who believe he's the yes behind their pain? That believes he is mostly the cause of all the decay and the destruction in the world? How do we bring a true representation of God to a world who doesn't always want to engage him? It's not a small task, but it's a really important task because there's a void in humanity for a father. And you can see this from nation to nation. You can see it on the news. We're living in what can seem like an orphaned world, which is crying out for the affection and the affirmation and attention of a father in heaven. A perfect father who will love them regardless of what they've done or what they've been part of or been through. And the mandate of the church has always been and always will be until Jesus comes back to continue the work, to continue the mission of Jesus here on earth. That is the role we play as the church, to carry on what Jesus was already doing, to show the world the Father. And that is who we are, Ving Church. We are representatives. We are ambassadors of Jesus. That's what we're a part of. And look at the incredible witness um, and heart and reflection of Jesus that Warm and Well is. And also what pioneers and reflectors of the Father that Tim and Mel are. You know, Jesus, um, Jesus extends tables. He doesn't build fences. And we're partnering with him to radiate his heart, to welcome the stranger and the downtrodden and be his hands and his feet. And this is a global and a glorious mission. And it's one I don't want to shy away from. But it was set up by Jesus himself 2,000 years ago to show the world the Father. And we have the opportunity, and what an opportunity it is to herald this message to the world that we are no longer orphans and foreigners, but we are sons and daughters of a perfect Father God in heaven. We have a message for people, and we can't hold it to ourselves. So, what can we do? How can we take this message? How do we take the Father to the world? And how do we play our part in this mission? I have some ideas, and there are loads of ideas, of course, but I want to keep it simple and keep it easy to remember. So I'd encourage you um, to go and read the Bible and get to know the scripture on the Father heart of God, because I believe when we do this, it's going to help us think of creative ways or ordinary ways as well to reflect God to humanity. And see, if we all do our bit, we can bring a full picture of God to this earth. So my ideas are simple today. My first idea is smile. Smile, because a smile is supernatural. And it's simple because I intentionally want no one to feel disqualified from this mission. We all have a part to play in the body of Christ. And guess what? We can all smile. Smile at people. When someone smiles at you, it changes everything. A smile is universal. Everyone understands it, and it's a beautiful message of warmth and acceptance, and it breaks barriers, and it diffuses tension. One of my favorite films is, is Annie, and it still warms my heart because um, my dad took me to see it when I was six, and I think I've probably seen it about a hundred times. It's about an orphan named Annie and her journey out of the orphanage, her, her desperation for survival, and desperation to belong to a family, and actually the heart of the man who would finally adopt her. But one of the lyrics of the songs is, we're never fully dressed without a smile. Put on that smile. And we all know someone who lights up a room and puts everyone at ease. And I can actually, I've got the words written down. 
and she knows I've got the words written down. But Lindsay does that for me. Her smile's radiant. It lights up her room. And it shows us Jesus. It's Lindsay's gift. And it's one that she shares freely. And it's one that puts people at ease. We need people to see the Father's smile because so many people are living with self-condemnation and self-doubt and audible voices that speak to them that are tearing them down and destroying confidence. We need people to see the Father's smile. And sometimes we won't feel like it. Sometimes we will feel like it. But you know what? Let's smile anyway, no matter how we're feeling. Because the countenance of the Father is always one of a smile over us. Always. Number 625 says, The Lord make his face shine on you. He smiles on us. Receive the Father's smile this morning. And receive it at home online, or if you're listening on, on another platform as well. Receive his smile. He smiles on you. So my second simple point begins with an S as well. And my second simple point is sacrifice. I know, I just said sacrifice. And no one's smiling now, <laughs> except Lindsay. Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the message. The passage speaks about being living sacrifices on this earth. Place your lives before God. This is Romans 12, 1 to 3. It says, so here, this is from the message. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. So the message version uses language like place your lives before God, embrace his ways above your own, adopt a new culture and a new way of living, and don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Ouch, it's not always pleasant reading, but if we're going to show the world the Father, we need to endeavor to become living sacrifices. And we can figure out together what it means to become a living sacrifice on this earth and how we're going to show the world the Father. It might sound weird or heavy. It's not. Hold on. Keep, keep listening just now. A living sacrifice says, I will give up my life for your benefit. It says, I will put myself on the line for you. And it says, I'm here to ensure that strength and benefit from my life flows into yours and I believe in this season and at this time we're being called into this higher way of living this Romans 12 kind of life where we've been asked by God to become living sacrifices on earth but we can do it with joy and humility and not moaning and groaning because of everything we've had to give up or I never had me time or let's live to ensure that strength and benefit from my life flows to other people and leverage what we have to see someone else flourish and thrive and succeed. And when I, I didn't want to say this because I know she'll get embarrassed, but actually when I think about people who ensure that strength and benefit flow from their lives, I think of Sally. Sally has always got eyes that see other people, eyes that don't think of her own convenience or comfort. And she does leverage what she has. She cheers people on. She flourishes and she, she wants to see other people flourish and thrive and almost lay down this carpet of grace that you can walk on because she's prayed on the ground before it. And it, we need 
We need that. We need the selflessness. Personally, I feel the Holy Spirit ask me, Jill, will you lay your life down and your preferences down? Will you put down your goals and your dreams and your agendas at my feet for the benefit and the success of another? Will you, can we leave our much for more? And it's scary. It's scary to let go of us, of me, of my ambitions and my goals. But God gives us a life and a story so beyond our wildest imagination when we surrender everything. And it's a daily surrender. It has to be everything. You know, he's taken me, um, just in Scotland as well, but he's taken me to places I never thought I'd go and given me friends I never thought I'd have and a marriage I never dreamed I would have. But he's continually showing me that there is more and more and more if, if I will lay aside the things I hold dear and pursue the success of another. He will add more than we could ever dream because he's a good, good father. He's a good father. See, sacrifice is never about us. Sacrifice says we're better together. I need you and you need me. It says your success is my success. It says if you win, I win. It says if you go down, I go down. So I'm not going to let that happen. That's sacrifice and it's beautiful. And it's not always as scary as it seems. It's how so many live. And at the core of who the Father is, is a heart of sacrifice that's perfectly displayed to us through the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus at the cross. He gave his life for the benefit of ours. And I'm convinced that the world is looking for people who will be living sacrifices. People who will show them the Father and not just tell them what he's like. The world isn't looking for our opinions and our knowledge on the Bible. They're not after our theology or after our Christian debates. Our knowledge isn't reaching a hurting world who struggle to understand why they're even here. And then they wonder, who's God? Knowledge doesn't always reach that, but our lives do. What we say and, what we, what we, what we, and how we live and do consistently has got a far stronger reach and will go places that our words can't go. Just serve people, friends. Serving is Jesus. It's who he is. We can serve here. We can serve at home. But when we serve, we're serving Jesus. And it's about consistency and it's just it's about just touching his garment and receiving his heart and laying down our agenda i remember when the lady encountered jesus at the well she left her pail she left her water and she ran to tell lay down the things that are heavy the extra weights that we're carrying my third s is settle it um settle it settle the fact that jesus loves us i haven't got time to read it but ephesians 1 1 to 23 in the message the heart and core of this message in Ephesians 1 is God settled us on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. And if we don't hear anything else this morning, I'd love you to hear this. We have been chosen by God. You have been chosen by God. It's settled. There's a God in heaven who loves you so much and so relentlessly and so extravagantly that he sent his son to earth to reconcile us to himself. And that, that is the father heart of God. He held nothing back from us. He gave everything he had so we could be free. Settle it. There's nothing that you can do or say that will separate you from the love of God. Let's settle it. We can't make him love us more. None of the striving or trying, none of the effort can make God love us more. And there's nothing that, we, that, that, there's nothing that can make him love us less. Nothing. 
You see, we don't have the ability to dictate or define the love of God. We don't have the authority to do that. Love is who he is, and he loves us because of who he is, regardless of what we've done or what we've been a part of. Settle it. I'm talking to my own heart as well. This love of God is who the Father is. It's his way. It's his nature. And I think as God's people, sometimes we need to get better at embracing his love, how to receive his love. I think maybe I convinced myself he wasn't consistent in the way he loves me. You know, it's not like having a daisy. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. It's not how God operates. It's not who he is. There's a consistency and a flow to the Father's love that we can't define by our actions. Let's get rid of the hoops and the rules, church, the trying and the striving, because we can't make him love us more. And let's welcome everyone, everyone, even the people that we don't think should be invited, because that is the love of God. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus and not allow circumstances to define his love. Let's not decide who Jesus can and can't love. Because sometimes I wish I could go back to 20-year-old me and say, Jill, open your eyes. Because if you look around you, you'll see Jesus in places you don't think you should go. And if you look even harder, you'll see Jesus in people you didn't think he could reach. Open your eyes, Jill. Let's open our eyes, church, and settle it. Jesus loves us, and there are no exceptions. And it's only possible to fulfill this mission of showing the world the Father, the Father heart of God, to love people because he first loved us. He made the first move, and all we do is respond. And I believe God is calling us to a response of love, especially at this time of year. What an opportunity with Advent and Christmas. But to love a hurting, broken world that doesn't know their Father and to welcome them with open arms. Let's be that church. Let's be those people. I want to be remembered for the great way I loved. And let's love and grow in our ability to love. Let's love people different to us, regardless of race or ethnicity, creed or language. Let's embrace people and show them the warmth and the comfort of heaven. Look for ways to connect with people who are crying out for connection. Let's love by mourning with those who mourn and rejoicing with those who rejoice. And love by seeing people and telling them that they're valuable and have something to offer. And I suppose as well, love by moving towards people instead of moving away. We can love in action by feeding hungry people, get warm and well, by holding widows, by giving generously on every occasion. And we can love extravagantly and lavishly because he first loved us. He loves us. Let's settle it. His love is deeper and it's wider and it's more than we could ever imagine. And it might be that we're overwhelmed by circumstances this morning. And there's a, I'm not going to sing it, but he's got the whole, I'm sure we know it. He's got the whole world in his hands. He holds the whole world in his hands. But he's got us in his palm. He's got us in the palm of his hand. And he knows when to hold us tighter. And he knows when to, like a, a bird, a mother bird pushes the bird out the nest. He knows what we need. And he knows when to, when to, when to give it. My prayer is that God's love will urge us, urge us on and spur us on to love all the more. Let's connect people to Jesus so that they will see the Father. And we all have a part to play. We can all bring our smile. We can all bring our sacrificial living. And we can all bring our understanding, our settling, that the love of God exists for everyone. And there aren't any exceptions. There's no exceptions. 
And I honestly do. I know this is a simple message, but Stuart and I were in South Africa recently, and um, we have never experienced hospitality and grace and joy um, in abundance. Complete um, people we didn't know would come up to us with beaming smiles, and it was genuine, and offer us coffee. I couldn't hold all the coffee. It was just, it was just the, the wonder of the Father. It was just a touch of God. It was, it was beautiful. Um, But I believe if we do this, I believe with everything, that we will see an orphaned world reconciled to God the Father. And and if you want prayer to receive more of the Father's love or to settle it that he loves you, one of the leaders, we will pray for you. We'll pray for you. But Jesus, he wants us fully healthy and fully alive on the inside. And when I spoke at the ladies' meeting, I, I God gave me some words. He just, I just really, we were looking at the story of Mary Magdalene and um, she, this lady had walked in darkness. Jesus had cast out seven demons from her and to change her life, she had to encounter Jesus and he engaged her darkness so that she could walk in his light, so that she could encounter his light and walk in it daily. But to do that, it's a choice. It's a choice to do that. And also the world will remind us of our demons. The world will label us and throw things at us and things stick I mean somebody reminded me of something the other day in the as if it was present and it was 29 years ago and I thought for goodness sake you know but the the word of God this word which we need to feed on it reveals our destiny it reveals who we are what Jesus has made us to be and the the words of life that Mel was speaking about being fully alive and sure you know walking on a word where it says you're the head and not the tail, that no weapon formed against you will prosper, and that the Lord wants to make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. I've got plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future, that God causes all things to work together for good. We might not see the good, we might not feel the good, but believe it, he causes everything to work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And we are called according to the purpose of God. We have been chosen in God before the beginning of time to be found in his love and to be made whole and holy in his love. So if we're going to be made whole and holy, we can sit and have a holy huddle or we can take the wholeness. Relatability though, you know, not not a holy huddle, but the wholeness, the restoration, the living full from the inside, that wisdom words would come out of our our mouth, that words of life, that to the the people out there who don't know Jesus, because there's a world full of people we could, I'm sure we could write a list. And when we get fatigued in prayer, when you're praying for the same people, ask for, I don't know, ask for, just ask for fresh compassion and fresh, just keep praying. People need our prayers, keep loving when it's difficult to love. People who speak out, remember our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So we are not, when we see things with human eyes, we need to see with the eyes of our heart, to have our eyes fixed on Jesus, our hearts anchored to him, soft souls and fertile soil. That the soil that we're, that we're um, what's the word, I'm not a gardener, creating the soil, that it would just be good, fertile soil, a place of growth. Lindsay spoke about loving evergreens so that we're not blown and tossed, you know, so that it's the same in season and out of season, so that January to December we're bearing fruit because we're coming to the Father's heart. He's engaged our dark. We've encountered his light and we wake up every morning, not with all the answers, but with just a heart that wants to take people with us, a heart that wants to see people fully alive, with our smile, 
with our sacrificial living, which doesn't need to be a big display. It can just, just quietly unsettle it, that we know that we are loved by God. We may not always feel it, but we're going to just believe it. And I believe that is the heart of the Father, and that's what's going to change lives. We're going to see people go from orphan to son and daughter, holy, known, whole, and holy. Lord Jesus, we love you so much, God. We thank you, God, that your eyes are on us, Lord Jesus, that you love us, Father. That even when we've blown it, God, even in spite of ourselves, Jesus, you love us. And we don't always understand it, God, but I pray, Father, that you would touch our hearts this morning, Jesus. That, Father, when you say, my peace I've given you, God, we would receive your peace. That we would receive life in abundance, Lord. Lord Jesus, that you will come, Father, and that you will touch the dry parts that you, of our hearts, God. That you will restore hope. And you would renew wonder, Lord Jesus. That this Christmas time, Lord Jesus, that we would look at you again, Father, in fresh wonder and fresh awe and fresh gratitude. Would you renew gratitude in our hearts, Lord Jesus? Would we never become familiar with you, Father? Lord Jesus, we love you and we worship you and we thank you. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.